Anyway. Anyway. What are dates anyway? Hooray! <laughs> Time is a flat circle and has no meaning. Right. Right. Uh, and also just melts like and the, flies Just away. like the Earth. Exactly. I'll hear none of this rounded Earth theory nonsense. It's got slightly oh rounded goodness. edges. <laughs> yeah, where the water pours off. That's right. That's right. And then goes to the other side, and then yeah. comes and then falls back down. <laughs> That's how gravity in space works. Yeah, water sphere, right? That's why cavemen uh, had uh, were cavemen. They had rickets. Well, we're actually inside a Dyson sphere. I don't. I don't even know, know what, what that, that is. Yeah, sorry. That, that's the. That's the, uh, the. It's the. It's the. It's the theoretical superstructure that you can build around a sun mm-hmm. to make like to have infinite energy and have the perfect environment like on the surface or like in its walls. Mm. <clears throat> so like basically okay. like the optimal distance from the sun. Yeah, like you you build it a you, you just build a giant like metal structure around the sun mm. and then you either live on it or in it interesting so like this is the idea of like how to colonize space without having to rely on planets yeah like some some someone the decades ago actually wrote like a paper about it and sci-fi just took off with it yeah it's probably cool. some guy named dyson <laughs> that would make sense yeah or it was named in honor of miles dyson of terminator 2 fame I hope that is really the case. That's what I'm going to go with. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Dyson Sphere podcast. Um, Soon to be the Terminator 2 Miles Dyson podcast. A podcast entirely about the character Miles Dyson from the film Terminator 2. Piggybacking, piggybacking off the fame of the uh, ExoFriends podcast on the Outer Millennial <laughs> Network. Um, I'm, I'm, as always, David Hoyt, joined by... Uh, Kayvon Fashami. And Lexi de Koning. We're on it this morning. <laughs> Killing it. Yeah. Mm. So I forgot to write down who wrote this episode. Because I think we're getting to the point where um, most of the writers are repeats. Uh, mm. Let's see. Exo Squad episode list. Our greatest fear. Or the greatest fear. The greatest fear. Mm. Mark Edens and Stephen Levy. Maybe we haven't Have talked we... about Stephen Levy. Yeah. Oh man, we're doing it. We're doing it live this morning, folks. We're, we're doing, doing it live, live this morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Should get the uh, get a clip of uh, Bill O'Reilly in there. Fuck it, we'll do it live. <clears throat> we'll do it live. <laughs> uh, bless, bless him. Oh. Oh yes, yes, and all his good works. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was a writer for Goof Troop. Uh, yeah. As well as something called Bonkers. Yeah, not a huge IMDb list. No, that's true. I I have I have seen and am aware of Bonkers, and of course I am seen and am aware of Goof Troop. But yeah, Bonkers is a is a new one for me. What is Bonkers? It's it's one of those cartoons that you probably turned off if it came on the TV. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't even remember it coming on. Was it cable or was it? Um regular poor people television because we didn't have cable bonkers. until i was like in my late mid mid to late teens bonkers american tv series uh let's see whoa <laughs> never mind apparently apparently there's like four seasons of bonkers which is more than exosquad got <laughs> like geez yeah no shit how does that happen wait 
I don't I don't understand how this how this uh Dude, Ron Perlman was I, in Ron Perlman was in this for like seventeen episodes. Jim Jim Cummings too. Um What? What what is this show? Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to look this into that later. Uh, no longer an Exo Squad podcast. It's now trying to figure out random yeah. TV series from childhood. Dude, podcasts. yeah, you, well, usually I take the time to look it up, but like today I didn't for some reason. And wow, there's even this actually seems seems more worthwhile than I gave it credit for. Yeah, there's even a uh, a Terminator Two tie in here. Earl Bowen, who played the um, psychiatrist in the first couple of Terminators, uh, the one that doesn't believe that Kyle Reese and is from the future and all that. Uh, was like a guess a big voice in this. He did thirty seven episodes. Huh. Wow! Huh. There you go. Bon- bonkers. Yeah, it's actually kind of bonkers how successful it was. How? <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Um. All right. Anyway. Well, there we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Short short list for Stephen Levy. So the uh, good good that I didn't spend too much time looking him up today. <clears throat> um. But of course, also Margaret Edens wrote this episode as well. Um. But this episode, this is episode thirteen of season two, the greatest fear. Um, we start off with uh, Marsala waking from a nightmare about a, a goopy neo sapien hand reaching for him. <laughs> JT, who apparently was just next door or walking by, like runs in. It's like Marsala, are you okay? <laughs> JT was actually and- listening at the door. Yeah, he was like he's oh. he's creeping on Masala. <laughs> yeah, he was awful like right there in the moment when uh <laughs> Marsala had his like weird dream. It's like he's he's a good leader, JT. He knows when something's wrong with his squad. <laughs> he's just patrolling the hallways of their like I don't know, barracks or whatever. Um, just like waiting for something to happen. Just in case someone has a <laughs> he's like got a whole like routine with Kaz whenever Kaz has a nightmare where he goes in, he like brings him a warm glass of milk and holds him and strokes his hair until he goes back to sleep. <laughs> he tuck, he tucks them all in individually at night and since they all have their own individual room, like he has a poem that he says when he opens the door. And like Marsala is still awake. He's like, Good night, you sweet prince of Maine. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So that's what's happening. Uh, but Masala has a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and this is interesting because this is the first time that we learn that A, like, Neo-Sapiens can have nightmares, and B, that they can also kind of sleep. Right? They're, like, They're elves. They go into revelry. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> is that what elves do? I mean, it's like a D&D it, thing, it, yeah. Okay, yeah, I it, had no idea. The, oh. the statistical advantage to elves in D anD D was that they only had to revelry for four hours instead of eight to get all their abilities back. Yeah. All right. This is that's too math nerd D anD D for me. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't <laughs> count the hours that my character sleeps. Um. But yeah, because JT comes in and he's like, "What's wrong?" And then when Marsala tries to explain that he had a nightmare, JT's like, "What are you talking about? You don't sleep." Yeah. Like. And is it? I don't know. It's kind of interesting that they've been working with him for so long, and yet no one seems to know anything about him, like that he has feelings or humor or sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah, because like, is it me or is there like a tone of indignation when he turns around and he's like, "Uh, yeah, no, we like can turn off parts of our brain, and it's basically sleep, and then things still happen in our brain, and it's just like dreaming." Oh, he seems like kind of annoyed. He's like, "Fucking Terrence, Jesus fuck, like." <laughs> It's like this is actually the third like, time. Do you I've also think this? I have an extra boat in my ankle? Like, what the fuck? 
I mean, how else are they so tall? <laughs> yeah, actually, they probably do have an extra bone in their ankle because they were genetically engineered to, but still. It's just funny, like, all of this stuff that's just like, he's like, God, oh, it's like, it's, it feel, like, just feels like he's like the patient person trying to educate these people from their, like, ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I also like how, like, sheepish marsala is in this scene like mm. he's he he's not quite doing it but i almost expect him to do like the cartoon kid mood where he like takes his two fingers and kind of like steeples them together he's like i don't want to talk about it oh i know well yeah because because jt asks him does masala ask jt first like yeah. what do you fear or like what do you have nightmares about and jt's answer is so jt it's like oh that i'm gonna do something that'll get somebody else hurt and then when he asks Masala, what's your nightmare or whatever, like, yeah, he acts all, like, kind of cute and sheepish and, like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. Oh. Yeah, he, like, shakes his head, then he, like, bows it down and, like, scrunches his shoulders up just like a kid. Yeah, the, the eye, like, the body language and the animation is actually really good in that moment. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time Marsala has ever seemed small. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like I have him sitting down through this whole scene too. Like, it, it, like it's only toward the end that he gets up, and even then, like, I'm because I'm watching it right now. You just see him like go past JT, and the way they've drawn it, Marcelo actually looks like almost at JT's like height level. Mm, yeah, <laughs> because he, like you said, he's sitting, so he actually can look him in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm dead. I don't know why that. Like just talking about how tall Neo Sapiens are. Neo Nurse is constantly saying, "My eyes are up here." <laughs> yeah. Shame because she's like ten feet taller than everyone else. That's fucking hilarious. Oh, oh Neo Nurse. Um, okay. <laughs> from uh, we we hop over to Draconis. Or oh, should we come, should we standing mention or... quickly oh, though that yeah. like Marcel, what Marcel is afraid of is auto mutation oh, syndrome. Right. But he doesn't say that in this initial scene. What he says to JT oh, when he finally yeah. opens up is, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of things that might happen because we are opening a door and we don't know where it leads. That's right. That's right. Yep. He's super philosophical. I, yes. Yeah. And I, I don't know if JT like brushes him off per se, but it's more just like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> back to sleep now. Bye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't, he doesn't press the issue. Like, yeah, he could yeah. have been like, okay, but can you be more specific? <laughs> Yeah. But he, he, he recognizes that Marsala doesn't really want to go any further than that, and just mm. it's like lets him, lets him off the hook, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, then we go to Draconis on Venus, standing around with a Neo Sapien named Creon, mm. um, who and complaining about the Neo Megas who have just landed on Venus. Um, we see Lysander and uh, four others come off a ship. Uh, you'll remember Lysander from the episode where Rita had her toxic masculinity moments on Earth. Oh, um, okay. The, uh, the Neomegas are there to do some kind of research, and Dracona says set up a place for them to do so on Mount Artemis. Of course, Artemis being the Greek goddess of the hunt. Mm -hmm. I'm playing Hades, so I should know this. <laughs> yeah, and Creon yeah. too is a uh, is a reference to the play Antigone. Um, Lysander, I think, actually, you can probably talk about better than I could. But Creon <clears> is um, 
is the king who like refuses like it, it, I don't know how much you uh, did you read Antigone when we were in high school? No, I could barely read when I was in high school. That's so. fair. Okay, yeah, I just read it in high school. But he's like he's a king who um uh he comes to power after there's like a bloody civil war in Thebes and like the, it's like two between two brothers and the two brothers kill each other on the battlefield and there's like a power vacuum and he steps into it. And, like, decrees that these two guys can't be buried. They're just supposed to be, like, left to rot out in the sun. Um, because I guess that's, like, a horrible thing in Greek, uh, ancient Greek culture or whatever. Like, just leave them to be rotted and, like, to rot and, like, be pecked by the, uh, pecked to, pecked to bits by birds. Uh, but their sister... A feast for crows. Exactly, exactly. There, let them be a feast for crows. There you go. George R. R. Martin. Uh, you know, he, he famously wrote in ancient Greek, in Greek times, uh, this play <laughs> Antigone. Right. They... Um, they copied yeah 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 it's actually the missing sixth book of the series he just went back in time and wrote it um nevertheless (laughs) (laughs) she so antigone is the two brothers sister and she like goes and actually buries them against his wishes and like he entombs her or something to to starve to death or whatever i think she kills herself then he feels bad and he's like deposed or something i can't remember exactly how it ends but uh, yeah it's creon is this tragedy it's sad yeah and his whole tragic flaw is that he's supposed to be unbending and unyielding not that i think that really like carries over to the character creon because we don't see much of them but that's at least where the name comes from yeah he's also in oedipus uh creon yes. probably yeah because yes. the oedipus is the first one of the theban trilogy i have not read oedipus or the one after oedipus um I've just read Antigone because I had to read it in high school. Because no offense to any classicists out there, but Greek dramas are kind of boring. <laughs> what? You don't like the part where he fucks his mom? Uh, you know, I mean, like, sometimes <laughs> they can be fun, I guess, but in general. All right. Sorry. Uh, you're going to have to cut that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say, Lysander is just, um, is apparently a Spartan admirable. Admiral, oh my god, why can I not say the word admiral? Um, yeah, that's the reference. I know the name from A Midsummer Night's Dream, but obviously Shakespeare was also like going through his Wikipedia full of uh, Roman names to steal. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's where that name comes from. Or Greek <laughs> I, names. I, it would, it would, I, I would actually, I don't know what the character is in um, Shakespeare that's named Lysander, but I feel like maybe that's probably the closer draw. Like, cause I don't know. He doesn't seem like a real classic um, uh, Spartan commander. Yeah, Spartan commander. Hey, maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, Draconis Draconis demands to know what they're doing here, and Lysander's like, "I don't need to tell you anything." And he, then he just sends Creon to like work with them and totally not spy on them. But like I love I love the beginning of the scene because Draconis is actually like trying to be polite when they first land. Yeah. And then Lys- Lysander's the one who's kind of a dick first, and then Draconis loses. He's like, oh fine. <laughs> I guess that's how it's gonna be. Yeah. He gets some really great scrunched up faces when he's mad in this one. His eyes get all uh-huh. like weird looking. <laughs> it's really good. He's like a gross looking Neo Sapien. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a few good weird looking Neo Sapiens in here. Like there's one with that has like a really lumpy like left side of his head. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like because like the scene with um, Marsh and Marsala at the beginning was like beautifully animated, really really nice. And they're like this is I definitely think like the B team here because there's some like weird yeah. misshapen Neo Sapiens. Yep, yep. Um, 
At this point, Able Squad is now descending to Venus, and they break through a Neo-Sapien scout defense. Uh, Torres saves Bronski at some point, and the squad pulls back, letting one Neo-Sapien escape who's being pursued by Takagi. And it seems like Takagi has learned his lesson about about taking orders. And I like the part where he like brags about the fact that he's so good at taking orders. <laughs> and Torres is like, "You're fucking stupid." <laughs> yeah, doesn't he say something like, "You know, only you could like brag without bragging" or something like that? Yeah. 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 Um, humble brag, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Able Squad meets up with James and the Resistance in what appears to be a hollowed-out Neo-Sapien base. Um, they tell them that they are here for a recon mission yeah. to to figure to figure out what the Neo-Sapien forces have and are doing on Venus. Mm. Uh, James gets super excited. He's like, "Oh, so you're here to start the invasion?" And JT's like, uh, "I didn't say that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment." <laughs> James tries to convince them, like, now is the time to invade because, like, Venus is really underguarded still. Yeah. 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 And James um, is obviously also fired up because he wants his planet back. Yeah. And he wants revenge, you know, understandably. Yeah. And uh, uh, Nara, uh, at this point, uh, we cut to part of the recon mission itself. Nara and Marsala are scouting out a base. Um, Nara comments on how much James has changed, and Marsala kind of comforts her about that fact. Like, listen, you know, we've all been through a lot lately. It's he's still your brother. Don't worry about him too much. Um, That's a really sad moment, actually, because I feel like Nara, she says, like, I just don't feel like I even know him mm-hmm. anymore, right? Like, so much has happened in the intervening right. whatever period of time that he is like somebody else now well, well um, yeah it's 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 always like at least a couple of months sometimes over a year before she see like between the times that mm. she sees him. right and we always get the sense it's like because we just check in period it's like the earth resistance i feel like we see a lot more of but we only kind of periodically check in with venus and it's like it seems like a lot happens between every time that we go on to see them um because like you know at this point he's like the whole part of this episode is just james walking around being like oh yeah like the people that came out of here half of them are dead now uh these people have all died like you know there's hardly any of us left it's just like geez it's you know like really grim on venus yeah. and we just never really get a set you know we only see glimpses of it which is fitting because i think the characters like the the people in exofleet don't fully have like a good understanding of just how bleak things are on venus yeah. right um, but yeah, you're right. Masala does kind of comfort her. Um, again, it's just, it was, it was a sad, sad scene for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of like, maybe, maybe not spending enough time with a sibling, mm-hmm. like after, mm-hmm. you know, after you grow up or something like that and growing apart yeah. and being like, well, you know, like you're not really the person that you were when we were kids. Like, yeah. Yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. Well, and right. in, and in this okay. case, also, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, war and trauma changes yeah. people, right? Yeah. In general, and so yeah. James is going through things that Zara hasn't experienced, and like she can't maybe really understand. Yep. And she's, if anything, um, I was just gonna say oh, he's also the last family that she has left. Yeah. You know, this is it. Yeah. That's yeah. the only family. She, and if she feels like she's like growing apart or getting distant from him, like that's it. Like no, no other family. Yeah, and if anything, I think James 
you may conceivably be experiencing more danger than Nara is oh, on, yeah. a, on a typical basis. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it's, like, at any second, like, you know, she can fly back and be safe with Exofleet and stuff, you know, like, but any moment they could be discovered by a Neosapien patrol or they could starve to death or any number of things. Yeah. 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 Uh, we see James hanging out with DeLeon and Maggie uh, we, over what I think is Dragon's Rock from the episode yeah. before a while back with uh, Bronski and Nara. Um, and he explains how it is really bleak situation where he says half the people who escape from dragon's rock are dead now yeah yeah or quote unquote gone <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they just went to the other side of venus they're vacationing comfortably at a nice resort they, it's they went to the they went to the burns family farm to live out the rest of their lives <laughs> oh, oh dark uh bronski and torres and a nameless member of the resistance uh, are scouting something called Fort Elizabeth, and they set up this camera, which <laughs> looks like which looks like a giant gun. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure. Like they, maybe it does something other than being a camera. But if I feel like they could have just had a camcorder, be like, <laughs> yeah, it it is huge. <laughs> I know, because it's like, you know, looking back on it now from, like, our point of, like, you know, how, what camera technology is now compared to 1991, it's like, considering that my what my phone can do, it's like, by that point, you know, a camera capable of, like, what that giant mammoth is capable of should be the size of, like, a twig. Right. <laughs> it's like, just put a GoPro on Bronski and let him walk, <laughs> let him walk around. It's just, yeah, with a compensator for the constant waddling. Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, but at this point, the um, the Neo Sapiens find uh, Bronski and Torres's team, and they begin to pursue them. Uh, Bronski takes a hard fall off a cliff, and then I love this part where he's like hiding behind a rock, shooting with a pistol, and he's actually like taking out these tiny targets with the pistol, so he's really good with it. But he also does that like useless like shoulder dive behind a rock because I don't think anyone was shooting at him at the time. He's like. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, preemptively getting out of the way. It's like right. so awkward too, because he just like throws himself like face forward onto the ground. It's really <laughs> funny. That that needs we need a gif of that. Somebody please make a gif of it soon. Um, Able Squad shows up to rescue them, uh, but uh, in the process, uh, Nara and Marsala show up uh, during the fight, and they're shot down. Um, no, they're both knocked out of the E-frame, their tandem E-frame, and James manages to save Nara, but doesn't save Marsala because either he, I, I think it's, I think the real reason is because he didn't have enough time to get to Marsala, or he didn't yeah. see him behind the rock. Well, because James's um, uh, E-frame also gets shot, and one of the arms <clears throat> you see like a little, you know, electricity animation. Mm-hmm. to indicate that that arm of the the E-frame is now broken. So he can pick up Nara with the other arm, like just somehow very uh, deftly scoops her up with this giant gun arm. <laughs> but I think, yeah, he he doesn't have time, and he also like doesn't have another working um, E-frame arm to pick up Masala. That's a good point. Out of there. That's a good point. The other arm yeah. was uh, injured at the time. I didn't it was busted. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, and Marcelo wasn't like up and moving around. Like maybe if he had been, he would have been able to jump mm. on it. But other than that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I but speaking about how clumsy Bronski just was, he like he's like dancing around like nimble footed, <laughs> like not getting shot in the very next scene. Right. Yeah, he was um, very spry. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. Well, I and the other thing. It's that, oh, it's that ripped physique, man. I mean, like, we've seen him before without a shirt on. He's like, he's in shape. <laughs> I think, like, all yeah. of this, like, I'm fucking, I don't like walking. It's just affectation. It's, he's just it's putting false, it on. It, yeah. It's a false flag. He wants to. He wants his enemies <laughs> to underestimate him. It's like one of those uh, big jujitsu guys you think is going to be really slow and heavy, and then it just turns out he's really fast and heavy. Yeah, and it's right. a nightmare. <laughs> And it sucks. <laughs> it's like, how are you 300 pounds and still moving like a ballerina? Like, how does this work? Oh, no. My only weakness, fast and strong people. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing I liked was when uh, when their tandem E-frame is, like, spinning to the ground. They're both, like, I don't know the, I don't know how to describe their faces. Dara and Marsala yes. are both, like looking into the sky as it's happening but their eyes are closed yeah I think, they're like this i think they're supposed to be like squinching if i can use that word squinching from the um like what do you call it like turbulence uh the coriolanus effect whatever it is right of like the thing crashing and spinning but what it looks like is that they've both got like mild o face or like yeah <laughs> they're in a, they're in their own kind of reverie <laughs> and, right. especially because marsala says we're going down and yeah, yeah i don't know my mind went all kinds of places oh, no. they do have weird <laughs> facial expressions right. in that scene it's like we're about to crash also i'm coming <laughs> like, i mean look at this marsala in particular i just dropped the face in discord the picture in discord here <laughs> Well, they're hooked up by the brain, so one of them knows what the other one's feeling, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, I wonder if there's like, oh, gosh, what are they getting up to in this E-frame? <laughs> it's like, oh, one last go before we <laughs> die. All those all those long trips in straight lines across space, you know, you got to find a way to occupy the time. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty boring. <laughs> Goodness. Does this, does, this, does this thing have X- Xbox Live on it? <laughs> um. So uh, Marsala is taken captive by the Neo Sapiens and is taken back to Mount Ar- Artemis, where he's shown a facility full of Neo Sapiens suffering from auto mutation syndrome. And uh, Lysander explains that it's not; it's actually much more dangerous than most Neo Sapiens know that it is, because any Neo Sapien can be struck by it at any time, not just with injury, kind of like Marsala has explained to us before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I this is for me this is like the beginning of where this show like this is some of my favorite story arcs in the show is like all the stuff around the genetic manipulation and the automutation syndrome stuff like it starts to get into body horror. I think really nicely. Yeah. We'll talk you know because we'll talk about it more as the episode goes on uh and then in the coming episodes. But like this is really where this show like Honestly, I think kind of like prefigures a lot of stuff like Halo, where it's like the sci-fi like narrative that then takes like a turn into body horror. Um, you know, yeah. even Mass Effect does the same thing with the Reapers and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this is kind of prefigures that in a way that I, I don't know. I as a kid, as an adult, love it. Super here for it. It's what a cool twist in this uh, in this whole series. 
Yeah, well, like the first season and the first part of the second season feel kind of like a space opera, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it starts to get like fun sci-fi mm-hmm. yeah. at this point. Yeah, it starts to explore a bunch of, and it keeps like the overarching space opera feel because like we're gonna have some more big space battles. We're gonna see the Resolute Two come out and like have its like kind of Virgin flight and everything, but. At the same time, yeah, it just like it starts playing with all these other threads of sci-fi. I think really, really nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. Oh God, the second half of the second season is Chef's Kiss, top top notch, really great, awesome sci-fi. Uh, Creon is trying to report to Draconis what's going on at Mount Artemis, but Lysander stops him like mid mid call, and then thirty seconds later, Draconis just shows up. It's <laughs> like. Uh, well, if you're not going to let me learn from Creon, then you're going to tell me yourself, or else, you know, this base just suddenly exploded and you all died in it. Right. I do yeah. kind of, because, like, I kind of feel for the original Neosapiens in the face of the Neomegas, who just, like, all of a sudden show them, like, hey, we're smarter than you and we're in charge now. And so it's like, you know, I kind of like, when he just throws it around a little bit, he's like, you could just die in an accident, just so you know. And it's like, good, good for you, Draconis. Good for you. <laughs> this... That this is this is why you know gun rights. Like you gotta have the guns to stand up to the Neomegans, right? right? Uh, also, oh, and a, a, oh, a well-formed militia wasn't it? A well-regulated militia? A well-regulated militia. Yes, a well-regulated militia. <laughs> That's the part Americans always forget about. <laughs> There's a lot of parts Americans always forget about. Just... <laughs> I want to join. I want to join a well-regulated militia, but I hate regulations. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh God, what do I do? Um. Anyway, yeah, Dracoidus is kind of funny because he's like, you know, you're under my protection, like, and I need to know what I'm protecting, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah. Also, what's with the really brainy, uh, neo- like, like by brainy, I mean like his head looks like a weird brain, uh, Neomega mm. that has like the weird like bug eyes, like or some kind of like black. They're just like yeah. all black eyes. It really, it really looks like they they drew like two and a half of those faces and then kind of gave up part way through on the other two. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely like this is definitely B team, maybe even C team here. But the one, <laughs> just the one in particular, the one in the middle, I just put it in Discord again. Like uh, he, ugh, it just looks awful. <clears throat> he looks evil he, as fuck. Yeah, like he's possessed. He doesn't, he doesn't have a brood mark either. <laughs> oh yeah, that's weird. What is what is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just, he's just the guy. Like maybe he scraped it off. He's like, "You're not my real dad. I don't need a mark." <laughs> yeah, like to Lexi's comment about him looking satanic. Like it looks like he's like the demonically possessed Neo Sapien. Yeah. It's like, so if James Wan made Exo Squad, <laughs> like this is what they would look this like. is like their Conjuring episode. <laughs> yeah. God, James Wan is like easily, oh God, one of the worst filmmakers. Ugh, I feel like we have a whole podcast just about how bad he is at making movies. Join us next time for the James Wan sucks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like alienated half our fan base right now. Possibly, yeah. I sorry, I've been a lifelong horror fan. Put my foot down, James Wan. God awful. Anyway. You can still enjoy Annabelle if you like Annabelle. We're just not going to watch it with you. Yeah. Anyway. That's fine. <laughs> you're, you're welcome to your own so, bad taste. Enjoy La Llorona. <laughs> anyway. Uh, back, back at the Resistance base, uh, Takaki is confronting James about not rescuing Marsala. Um, 
and that kind of peters out into like yeah. you know people being like we can't really fight about this right now we've got to deal with it when daily on stone cold he's just like jt we can't have marcella talking we got to blow up that base if he's with him in it <laughs> yeah which to daily on's credit when jt later mentions like he'd rig all the uh, fusion packs to explode um daily on's the first one that's like yeah put him on my e-frame like i'll go do this um like this suicide yeah. run yeah. yeah, which JT obviously refuses because he's like, no, I'm the one in charge. I have yeah. to do it. Yeah, because he's no. Um, but at least yeah. De Leon's like, he's he's cold and ruthless on this, but he's also at least like, you know, I'll take responsibility. It was my my idea. Right. You know. Yeah. Stand all but up. But again, guy. like, Nara is uh, understandably upset, you know, because a she obviously has a huge crush on Masala, even if she doesn't realize it at this point. Um. But also, you know, like, I don't know, she's the one I think who's closest in the team to him because they shared an E-frame. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're more friends, I think, than Marsala is with anyone else. And so she's like, you can't, <laughs> we can't just, like, sacrifice Marsala. Like, that's fucking rude. Um, it's rude. <laughs> it's rude, guys. Right. Come on. <laughs> well, and she's right because, like, on her own, she was able to break in that facility and get him out in time about before spoilers came on well it's some two two minutes so it's just like you know if everybody else had gone with her they probably would have been able to rescue him no problem that's true yeah and she she leaves to go think about things or whatever she says yeah. <laughs> like no no one watching her leave is like oh she's totally not going to go rescue marsala right <laughs> right yeah, she's like, I just want to get away from here. And, like, jumps into an E-frame and flies away. And everyone's just like, okay, like, bye. NBD. Hopefully she'll get back in time for the fireworks. Lysander is now demonstrating their work to cure auto-mutation syndrome to Draconis. And, like, really keeps going into, like, don't even touch this because, like, a single molecule can trigger it in you. Mm. and um uh the the subject for the experiment i actually had to like pause it like once or twice and look at it because it like his head marking his brood marking mm-hmm. is if if that red circle had been a diamond it would be phaetons mm. and, I, and i almost was like are they doing this on phaeton clones they could be ah. Maybe. I mean, that would be interesting, especially considering what is said, like, exactly after this. Because, just for clarification, right, so, like, the Neo-Mega, is it Lysander, he, they wheel out one of the test subjects who's being kept, like, in a prison cell. Yeah. Who's basically just a pile of goop at this point with, like, a nose, I think. Yeah. Um, And then as they inject him with this new experimental serum, he starts to take form, like, it looks like it's reversing the auto-mutation syndrome um and that's where you see the the head symbol what do you call it the brood yeah. mark sorry <laughs> and it does look a lot like phaeton and so you're like oh okay this is actually working and then within seconds he starts growing hands out of his chest and yeah to cave oh, it's point, so gross it's this very like john carpenter the thing yeah body horror kind of moment yeah. it's fantastic i love it whoever's on sound design also gets like the perfect like goopy noise like, blah, blah, blah. yeah <laughs> oh and he makes this like awful thing like moaning sound too like mm. uh-huh. yeah and then it just like collapses back into a pile of goop again so obviously this whatever experimental cocktail they've got is not working yeah, yeah. um but is at this point that 
is it Draconis who's there who says like, oh, you know, they're kind of in the background behind Lysander, like, okay, even if it doesn't work to reverse auto-mutation, we could potentially use this against Phaeton and his kind of cadre, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just immediately going for, oh, this looks like a great bio-weapon. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Against other Neo-Sapiens, which is kind of <clears throat> fucked up. Yeah. It's also like, are you just going to casually talk? I, do, I know it's allegedly like the Neo-Mega can't hear it, but it's like, are you going to just like casually talk about this in front of Lysander, who's like... Well, probably loyal to Phaeton. So, the th- like, does Draconis know that they have like super sensitive hearing? I mean, even if, like Neo Sapiens in general have super sensitive hearing. Yeah. It's like, come on, man! Like, you have sensitive hearing. He's you should know better. Right there. He's like, he's literally right there, and you're not like, well, it's not like he's like leaning, leaning in and whispering either. He's just like, yeah, we could probably kill Phaeton with this anyway. Like, let's do another demonstration, Lysander. Do you think? So, Neo-Sapiens only have four fingers, right? Yeah. Can they do American Sign Language? Ah, they probably have their own. I would imagine, Neo-Sapien Sign Language. Yeah. Are there deaf Neo-Sapiens? Well, I guess you'd still want to communicate with people who might be deaf. Yeah, there probably are deaf Neo-Sapiens, but Neo-Sapiens would, at some point, have to communicate with a deaf person. Yeah. Unless they've cured deafness. It's not impossible that they may, you know, or have, like, super advanced, like, um, hearing aids, more or less, that, like, plug directly into your brain or something. Perfected the cochlear and cochlear? Cochlear, isn't it? Cochlear implants? I think that's how you say that. I don't know. They just give give you all coke, and then you can hear everything. (laughs) It's just, they're just doing (laughs) space coke, mind on Venus. Mm, space I was gonna say this is like reminding me of Dune, you know, with all the little hand signals that Jessica oh, does yeah. in the film, yeah. and then yeah, they all take space coke and everything's fine. Yeah, um, that's, that's Dune in a nutshell. <laughs> Spoiler Dune alert: Dune in a nutshell. <laughs> hand signals mm. and space coke. Um, and poop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dracoda's like once this experiment fails and the person with many hands bursting out of their chest. Re- the reverts resorts i don't know how do you say it reverts like, evolves back into goop yeah rever- thank you english is hard today it's a difficult um, one draconis is like oh like let's bring out a an a healthy specimen and see what happens <laughs> bring up that valuable prisoner <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah so like you said he, he says he says bring up marsala we'll we'll uh we'll try this on him for some reason like i'm not I guess he just wants to see what happens. Um, yeah. 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 And I think he, he wants, he's using it also as a way to try and get information out of Marsala. Cause he's like, you know, talk yeah. or we're going to do this to you knowing full well that this is like, you know, a major fear for every Neo sapien ever. Mm. Um, it's like, yeah. like talker, we're giving you auto mutation syndrome. Like that's a pretty horrible threat. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't blame Marsala for cracking. Under that kind of pressure. But stand up yeah. guy, he does not. Yep. So the the time the timelines for JT, Nara, and Marsala begin to converge at this point, because Nara's like looking at this base and she has there's like this cool like camera swivel moment mm. where she's like looking dramatically at the base with mm. like the wind whipping her hair about. She's like, That's it. I'm gonna fucking do this. Click, click. Yeah. <laughs> and then just start running towards the base. She's like, I'm going to get Marcella out of there. While JT is arriving with all the fusion packs 
uh, loaded up on the missiles from his E-frame. And Marsala is rolled out to uh, to be experimented on. Um, we talked about Lumpy Headguard before. There's just this guy who has like a bunch of like head tumors. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, and uh, the other thing about the auto mutation, when they roll the experiment guy past Marsala, he's he's like he he looks blue, like he's completely naked. But his skin has formed clothes. Yeah, which is like probably just an animation error, but not like. necessarily yeah. because if you think about what he's going to be able to do in literally like in this scene, because as we watch, he transforms mm-hmm. into Lysander. Like he takes on Lysander's like appearance and clothing. Um, yep. so it's like his skin's already starting to mimic the stuff around him, mm. right? Um, so like, he's like literally becoming the thing, like one, one bit of contact and then he can replicate anything he touches. Um, which, oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, so they bring Marcella out to be interrogated by Draconis and, um, <clears throat> bef- and Draconis threatens him with this injection. He's like, tell me everything you know, or we're going to put this in you. And you've seen what it does already from the guy who got rolled by you. Um, and Nara gets it. Nara starts running towards the base as JT begins shooting these like uh, overpowered missiles at it. Um, the beginning, my favorite, my favorite cartoon trope, like when something around someone starts collapsing, it literally starts raining rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, like, uh, other question: Why did Nara leave her suit? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like, right. Yeah, she gets out of the e the e frame or whatever to go rescue Masala. It, is is it, it like is the is the dexterity that you have outside of the suit? I mean, she's pretty nimble, so she maybe is. that's why. Like, but it seems like that would have been a good thing to bring. You would um, think it, she would be faster and probably more nimble in it. And it's not like it's a big bulky e frame either. It's like a kind of personal suit yeah. e frame. So, uh, it, it's something between jump troop and e frame. Mm. Yeah. Like, so it's um, a mystery. <coughs> Uh, I I love the one part where like they they fly out to attack JT and JT's like this is for Marsala and he fires off his his like Nova Flare thing mm-hmm. kills them so like I'm sure Marsala really appreciates you killing more Neo Sapiens JT but also <laughs> like his Nova Flare thing just like disintegrates part of the base yeah why did he yes. just, like, why wasn't this attack just flying up, hugging the base, and turning that off? Yeah, right. Why does he not use this all the time? I mean, it's super effective. Yeah. I was gonna say, is this the only time we see JT use this special weapon? Yeah. I don't think he uses he, it again. He, he uses it from time to time. Does he? Not okay. only... Uh, the, the only time we see him in this episode, but, like, he, he uses it a couple more times. I feel like this is the first time we've seen him use it. Um, since he got it, I can't remember if he uses it again or not, but it... we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, yeah, I think to see if it happens again in future episodes. Well, it's it's too powerful. If he used it all the time, the show would be super boring. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> JT would just like go up to any near sapient ship or base and be like, Bow! yeah. Right, well, right. The ultimate the ultimate weapon is like, what if you built that into the tandem frame with cloaking? And the cloaking frame just like walked up next to whoever and turned on their Nova Flare and flew away. Yeah, disintegrated a giant sphere. Just assassinated <laughs> a like uh, Phaeton that way. 
right? <laughs> War over. So according to the Exo Squad wiki, I'm looking it up now. <laughs> Uh, the solar flare is even capable of vaporizing solid rock. Yes, we've just seen that happen. The only drawback of this weapon is its considerable power drain, limiting it to one, possibly two uses per engagement. But still, I'd like it's like that special, you know, like when you're like playing one of the like a game where you have like limited uses of a special ability, save it for the right moment, but use it every time, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so uh, uh, Nara Nara is running through the base to find Marsala. Um, Draconis and the Neo Megas run away, and you know that 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 wonderful trope where some rocks fall on the Neo Megas. Draconis Creon's like, "Wait, what about them?" Draconis is like, "Ah, they're fine. Keep going." <laughs> I love it. I'm kind of again, like I'm kind of here for it. I'm on Team Regular Sapien, Regular Neo Sapien, and like Regu Regu Sapien, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, the experiment escapes its cell and absorbs Lysander, who's trapped under the rocks. Yep. It's the thing, man. Like, somebody was like, we're gonna do, like, a thing storyline here. Um, which if you've, if any listeners, if you like horror movies and you've never seen John Carpenter's 1980, The Thing, like, absolutely worth watching. Uh, very much this kind of a vibe. Yes. Uh but more terrifying. Yes. Somehow. <laughs> Gorier. Just just oh. the just the constant goo the constant goopy noise is the ugh. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um Nar uh the, the experiment finds Nara and Marsala as they're trying to escape, and they stun him or he gets hit by a rock. Uh yeah, and I think then she cap- shoots the the experiment in because it's in the form of Lysander now, and it looks like it's about to go up and like absorb Marsala, right? Yeah. And I think that's when like, Nara runs in and shoots it and like stuns it and knocks it out. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, Marsala and it are wrestling and um, Nara yeah, uh, zaps okay. it while it's wrestling with him. Which I, I feel like should have raised some questions to Marsala, right? I mean, like, why is this Neo Mega <laughs> wrestling? Right? Like, how is it this strong? Something seems wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um... And the, they, they, Nara and Marsala escape the crumbling base with the captive experiment, the experiment slash Lysander, and they also take the mutagen mm. um, for later use, I assume. Yeah. Um, they find JT outside of the base, and he's like, oh, you made it out. Thank God. <laughs> Good job, guys. He's like, like oh. Marsala, I never thought I'd see you again because I was here to kill you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, thankfully one person managed to sneak in and get him out. Too bad we didn't just go as a squad and do exactly this. Yeah, there were only like six people at that base. (laughs) I love how it's like, there's all these moments where they're like, oh, we're going to like sneak in and rescue or do this thing in this like fully packed, like jam-packed Neo-Sapien base. And then it's like, oh, this like understaffed facility, like, nope, we're not getting him out of this one, guys. The only option is to destroy it with him in it. Rest in peace, Marcelo. We'll remember him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They, they get back to wherever the, like, what was the Dragon Rock base is, and, like, someone's already put together, like, a slideshow of pictures of Marcelo. <laughs> with, like, a... Yes! <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background. <laughs> it's one of those, like, you know, and it's always sunny when they have those, like, giant posters, like, with the person's name, yes! like, a funeral. <laughs> it's, like, Marsala and his, like, birth and death dates. Oh, oh God. God. Shame. 
Uh, and that that's the end that's the end of that episode yeah. uh lot the, the, the very action-packed episode with lots of good stuff in it um yeah, yeah it I was guess. great great teasers really of cool. things to come and just yeah overall really i think yeah one of the one of the best episodes in the season like you said action-packed but still with like mm-hmm. enough like story elements to not just feel like it's one-dimensional yeah because there's enough I mean, it's not necessarily character development, but again, like, JT's thing of, like, oh, my greatest fear is that I do something that, you know, gets someone else killed. It's like, oh, well, you've already lived through that, I guess. Um, You know, like, Nara's thing with James and her relationship with him changing, and then, you know, Marsala's very real fears about auto-mutation syndrome, so... Yeah, there's enough, enough, like, interesting character stuff happening in between the action for it to also be... um, Yeah. A little more of the yeah, like, just like softer side of um, Marsala too. We see um, he's yeah. got his like kind of deep philosophical moments. So we've got about his like ridiculously philosophical line at the end of it, where he's like, "We yeah. have looked into the face of our greatest fears and found ourselves." It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh huh? What? All right, philosophy one hundred and one, bro. <laughs> the, the, well, it, that ends with just JT patting over it. He's like, yeah, buddy, let's go. <laughs> it's like, all right, save it for philosophy class. We got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's like that kind of like 90s deep, like the same people like back, like in the 90s, like it was like a kind of like cool guy thing to like quote one of two Nietzsche lines, either like people who, you know, fight monsters, become monsters themselves, or when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes back into you. Um, I think even like, I think like the first Baldur's Gate opens with one of those quotes even. Um, Amazing. And it's like, it's just very much in that same like cool guy pop psychology or pop. Uh, philosophy kind of like vain but it's just like coming out of Marsala it just sounds so cool and dignified <laughs> I would watch a YouTube channel of like Marsala philosophy oh my god right Neosapien philosophy tube <laughs> like why doesn't that Mar- exist Marsala philosophy Marsala Marsala yeah Marsala tube Marsala yeah Philsala? Uh, I would definitely be here for Marsala Tube. That actor. Really bad Portman toes. Is that act? That actor is he still alive? I don't think he oh, is. Oh well, Marsala voice actor. Yeah, I think he's one of the ones who has sadly passed on. Yeah, because he was the one that was in um, Freddy vs. Jason, if I remember correctly. And then. <laughs> oh wait, no. Is he still with Gary us? Chuck. Gary Chuck. I think he is. Well, this 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 site isn't telling me he's dead. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he's still. Yeah, I, he's, he's he's he's. Yeah, he's almost seventy. Sick. All right. Well, if you're listening, Gary Chalk, please start a, a YouTube channel where you talk about philosophy in a soothing, uh, Marsala voice, please. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, well, that, and that's, that's, that's all for, that's all for today. I think, yeah, uh, do you guys have anything you want to plug this week or recommend to people? Uh, we just finished last of us too. Uh, it was amazing. Um, if you haven't played it, uh, especially if you haven't played it because you heard a bunch of really dumb negative feedback about it, go play it anyway. It's really good. Yeah. 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 It was great. Don't want to give anything away. 
so we will not say more. No, but. lots of twists and turns. Uh, really, just phenomenal, powerful narrative. Uh, probably, uh, honestly, I am struggling to think of a better written story in a video game. Uh, and honestly, mm. like even with like a lot of you know like movies, novels, other stuff, like it's comparable to some really great stuff. Mm. Which is like it's 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 really weird to me that like um, that that uh that genre right it's it's a zombie game yeah and like to say to say that one of the best written video games in a very long time is a zombie game feels weird to me yeah i mean that's the thing is like good zombie a lot of it zombie video games uh you know i can't remember the name of the one like the one where there's like millions of zombies and you're always running around with different weapons and there's like not really any story and you're like in a mall or something um yeah i can't remember the name of that game but a lot of those games like kind of really just focus on the zombie horror side of things but good like traditionally zombie films like traditionally i mean like going back to the 1960s uh with like um you know george romero's uh, night of the living dead and onward like a lot of like a zombie stories like the zombies are good zombie stories are the zombies are a backdrop to you know a bunch of drama and tension between people yeah. You know, um, totally. they're almost like just like a force of nature that provides a context and a setting for human antagonism. And that's what I think Last of Us has grasped better than a lot of those games. A lot of zombie games mm. um, is that like really like what this is about is human antagonism and drama, which is why you spend just as much time fighting other people in those games, you know? Right. Yeah. But it's not really about the monsters actually they're just kind of there doing their own thing while you're trying to get through but they are also deeply terrifying (laughs) they are there are some fight scenes with those fucking things in uh in last of us 2 that are just like beyond intense yeah without giving anything away like the big the big monster reveal about Mm. what like three quarters of the way through the game Mm mm-hmm towards the end kind of that was uh legitimately horrifying <laughs> mm-hmm. that scene sucked <laughs> like i hated play it like sucked in a good way like i it, it was just like i want this to be over as soon as possible my heart's racing this is terrifying yeah give me a give me the fuck yeah, out of here right? like how do i get away from this thing please uh excellent game top oh. notch um just holy shit phenomenal if you haven't played it run out and play it yeah um yeah, I guess the only the only thing I I have to recommend this week is we started watching the second season of the Kevin Smith He Man. Oh yeah, yeah. How is that? Uh, that that's it's more it's more of what we lo- of what I love from the first season. Excellent. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're here for Buff Skeletor, that's, <laughs> is this an animated series? Go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't if you haven't watched it, uh, the 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 first season is good and the second season's good, and uh, more and I like it even more because uh, people didn't like it for a lot of the same reasons they didn't like um, uh, Last of Us too. Really? Because they're just giant crying man babies. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> like remember that actually objectively shitty cartoon from the eighties? How dare you change and modernize it? <laughs> Everything must remain frozen in time because I too do not develop. Yes. Oh my god! I, and it's like okay, like some things, like you know, like that. Not to go off on too long a thing about this, but this whole like this this meme of 
like talking about how like my childhood is ruined because they updated some like shit cartoon that you used to watch. Because like I mean these eighty eighties cartoons are great. They were fun. They were awesome when we were growing up. But a lot of them, if you go back now, like it's it's pure purely nostalgia is what like keeps us like invested in something like He Man. Yeah. And it's yeah. like this notion that like even if they did a bad He Man reboot, and this sounds like a fantastic one, like I'm sorry, your childhood wasn't ruined. Like it's just a thing that you liked now has a modern interpretation, and that might suck, and that might mm. be frustrating and everything. But like, no one was, you know, like it's not child abuse. You're not like nothing. Nothing bad happened to you, and nothing bad is happening to you. At least in that regard, maybe something bad happened to you. I'm not trying to say something didn't, but nevertheless, like. It's just like this didn't this ruin your This TV show childhood. is not responsible for yeah, that. You're yeah, you're fine. You're <laughs> right. more than your consumption choices. Well, it's it, it's like it's like if you can if you can actually stand there with a straight face and tell me that the Shira cartoon from the '80s and '90s <laughs> was better than the one Netflix just made a few years ago, you are either a lying to me or b I legitimately think you need serious help. <laughs> <laughs> And your taste is dog shit. Uh, I also feel like some of the reaction, um, I mean, obviously, you know, like, duh, it sounds kind of banal to say it's it's driven by internet culture, but this idea yeah. that everyone has to react and everyone has to have a reaction to everything all the time. And so there's a kind of like perpetual cycle of like, oh, I need to be offended. or I need to be upset. That was like having now finished Last of Us 2, I immediately went online to see what the bad or negative reactions were because I wanted to know. And like it, a lot of it, I was just like, you're just looking for things to complain about. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking like, Kayvon, you probably have a better sense of this, but when Night of the Living Dead um, came out in, what was that? Like 1968. Yeah. You know, initially like Romero didn't write the main character. I can't remember his name now. Ben. He didn't write the protagonist to be black, but when Dwayne uh, Jones auditioned, he was just so good that they cast him. Right. But now when you watch the film because it has a like a black lead you can read this film as talking about racial tension in america right like that's just an unavoidable consequence of casting an african-american man in that particular role even though the script wasn't written to deal with racial issues and like i mean i don't know you didn't have people in 1968 like fucking crying about white genocide or like (laughs) (laughs) oh this is so pc to cast a black man in a movie (laughs) whereas i feel like now any any like minor attempts to have a more quote-unquote diverse cast or just like different characters or whatever it's like this is pandering to the gays Ah, (laughs) yeah by giving them like one character in a game with over like a dozen well-developed characters cool well i mean haven't you guys heard the gays can do whatever they want now so they've taken over America. yeah so they don't need media representation anymore they got their marriage and now it's time for them to just be quiet and go sit in the corner again let us you can get married you've got musicals shut up Whoa. what more do you need <laughs> sorry totally being sarcastic because yeah. that is ridiculous but it that's is. that's what it feels like sometimes it's like people just want to react right and people just want to have a public online reaction even yeah. though I think, Kayvon, you're quite right. And, you know, Dave as well. Like, this thing isn't really as offensive as you want it to be. Yeah. It's like... Well, it's it's fueled it's fueled by the, the, the need to generate content, too, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like, if yes. you If you run a YouTube channel that talks about that shit, then what's the best way to make money is to get people to watch that. And what's the best way to get people to watch that is to take some ridiculous thing about it 
and blow it way out of proportion so that other people who vaguely had the same thought would be like, ooh, I have to watch this person who agrees with me, or ooh, I have to watch this piece of shit who thinks I'm wrong. Like, yeah, right. which is like, I right. mean, a lot of today's culture is born around that, like, you know, it's a big academic term, but what we call like that sort of affective engagement, that sort of engagement that pulls on your like emotions and stuff. And like, it's it, like Lexi put it really well, that just sort of cycle of like outrage and, and, and anger and outpouring is exactly like this that's part of that whole system it's like you know this is how you get engagement is appealing to people's basis like you know emotions and frustrations and we just love like as a culture just become trapped in this like cycle of like expressive performative outrage um not to say that there aren't like you know like other like legitimate like you know like the, the, the things that like people were protesting summer before last uh, around police violence and the brutality directed african-american communities yes all of that stuff is worth getting mad about, but we do like broadly have this other like kind of just churning treadmill of anger and frustration that like everybody feels like they have to have a deeply emotive opinion about everything. And it's just mm -hmm. like practice. Actually, it's really liberating practice, not getting upset about stuff. Sometimes get upset <laughs> about the right stuff, but practice sometimes just being like, maybe this isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. I can a like video game or yeah. TV show is not, gonna be the thing that like destroys my life yeah it's it's pretty liberating yeah well on that note yeah <laughs> so this has been philosophy uh new sapien philosophy tube with dave lexi and cable <laughs> stay stay safe from the from the sjw scourge trying to change all your media right yeah i mean all these sjw's out there complaining about trans characters in games and complaining about black people in movies and it's just you know like i wish they would just stop virtue signaling yeah yeah that's exactly what it is mm -hmm. which you know and again people are very excited because there is some whispered talking at least on the facebook page that we're all part of about you know potentially rebooting exo squad and i think people need to prepare themselves for the fact that like if yeah. this show does get rebooted or remade in today's context that's what they're going to do because that is a smart move as writers to appeal to a broader market and a broader audience mm -hmm. like even from a purely capitalist standpoint yeah like you, you want to have better representation even if it's this is going to sound so cynical like even if it's just to appeal to a broader market of people who can buy your product yeah right yep. yeah and then on top of that we hope that there is some actual genuine um you know desire to represent or do a better job with representation but like yeah again it's like yeah of course things are changing it's 2020 right it's like yeah and it's uh, yeah to your point like you know i if it's one of these just like it's just a cynical portrayal of, of of some effort at diversity just to just to check those boxes there's not substance to it there's not depth to it then yeah it's that's a fair critique to be like this is just shoehorned in bullshit like just diversity play for nothing but like when you're talking about something like the last of us or like a lot of the other like you know why the last man is a tv show is another really good example where it's like these are really mm. thoughtful great part of the story it's well written um you know i would i would think good decent representations of diverse communities and stuff like that's what's the problem is the story still good yes then stop fucking whining right stop whining stop it you like eating other people's lunches stop it
sorry. Uh, fucking, that's a movie we should talk about sometime because it bangs. Um, oh my god. Anyway, deep social commentary. Yeah. Patreon. Dude. That's a Patreon special episode on a kindergarten cop with Kayvon who just talks in Arnold Schwarzenegger accent yeah. the just, whole time. Just get my brother and I. We'll like do a whole like yeah Patreon special content thing of just like Schwarzenegger movies in general. And yeah, we'll yeah do plenty of Schwarzenegger impersonations. Oh my god! Well, on that on that delightful thought, gonna <laughs> uh, <laughs> gonna wrap it up. Everyone, stay safe. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone has a happy holidays after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, for people who don't live in the U.S., which apparently a considerable amount of our audience doesn't, have a good uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just have a great time in general. Enjoy life yeah. as best you can. Summer, winter, wherever you are, yeah, enjoy the coming months. Indeed. We'll chat to you guys soon. All Squad.